This podcast is brought to you by Stormaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at Stormaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. Reserving some budget to go a bit bigger at a good point in time, you know, that seasonal peak for your product, which really helped because, for example, we grew our active user base by over 50% just in January gone by doing that. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining another episode of Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm your host, Jonathan Fishman. I'm VP Marketing and Growth here at Stormaven. And today I have here with me Ian Russell, who's Head of Performance Marketing at MoneyHub. Hey, Ian. Hi, Jonathan. What's up? All good? Yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah, a busy, busy time of year for us. Yeah, for sure, for everybody. Yeah, new resolutions. Yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself a bit about your path and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So I'm currently yeah, Head of Performance Marketing at MoneyHub. We're a UK-based consumer app and we're a money management sort of personal finance app where we're leveraging the power of open banking and open finance. You connect all your accounts in one place. So credit cards, bank accounts, investments, loans, mortgages, and you see your whole financial universe all in one place and can make better informed decisions going forward using a variety of tools that we have in the product. Myself, I've worked in mobile app marketing for 12 years now. Wow. And I originally started, I was working for a publishing company called Future and the iPad arrived and it descended from the heavens to be the savior of magazine publishing. It didn't quite work out that way, but I was part of a project of getting a lot of our magazines onto Apple Newsstand. If anyone remembers that, we had about 80 plus magazine apps and had about and had 25% market share of Apple Newsstand at launch wow. way back then. Awesome. And that was the first introduction to um, the world of the world of app marketing and famously Apple telling us that push notifications are to be used for marketing of no kind whatsoever. And I think we all know <laughs> how well that lasted. Yeah, cool. And uh, how does the marketing team at uh, MoneyHub looks like? Like how big are you guys? How is it structured? We're relatively small and we sit within part of a wider technology business. So MoneyHub Enterprise that also does software as a service. Mm-hmm. So to developed APIs and, and white label products similar to like consumer app. But I have a content and communities manager in my team and shared resource in terms of website marketing and graphic design. Awesome. And how are you guys been, how has growth been like for the past uh, year or so with everything that has happened? It's been really good. We've been on a good, good trajectory for sure. Obviously, the pandemic had an impact on that as people you know, going into various sort of different states of their employment and furlough, work from home, people wanting to get on top of their finances. And we traditionally had a 30-day trial 
on our app for a very sort of modest subscription fee of 99p or a month or 9.99 a year but we extended that to six months free with no also renew to help out do our bit as best we could at that time so people had money hub as a resource to help them but what we saw was that our conversion percentages didn't change when we got to the end of that trial period we still had very similar signups to really? our subscription, which is really encouraging yeah so we haven't changed that setup at all so it sounds like a long trial period but i feel that it works for us because it gives users enough time to really get to grips with the tools and like review their monthly spending and where they've made improvements or saved on budgets and it just makes that an even an easier upsell essentially when it comes to the subscription point of the journey yeah though i would suspect that would, that would cause uh, a lot of uh, retention challenges no to keep them retained for that very long trial period no Yes, it can do. But like I say, I, it feels that with the 30 days, it's not enough time for them to truly understand the value of the product. So they, although we may well lose a few more people before the end of that trial, the amount of people that then convert and stay with us longer term, because once you kind of get over that two, three months barrier, my, the consumers are really quite sticky within the product. Mm-hmm. So that, is, that has worked really well. And of course, we look at initiatives all the time. You know, it's the other side of the, of the coin, right, from acquisition. It's just how do we keep them engaged and involved with the product? So work closely with the product team, constantly looking to make improvements and add new features. And we've been able to add a lot of new features over the last six months into the product, which has really helped that side of things. Amazing. And that gets me to think a lot about the IDFA, like an SK ad network and all of that. Were you based on, I mean... Most of your growth was driven by paid uh, user acquisition? Yes, but I would say primarily it was Apple search ads that was driving mm. our growth. So we weren't as adversely affected as I suppose some other apps might have been if they're quite reliant on Facebook and Twitter and DSP networks to grow. I kind of have a mantra of sustainable growth and kind of layer things, layer things up so... The organic and own base and then looking at tier one platforms like search ads Facebook Twitter before going to like a tier two platform and just slowly making those building blocks and doing it yeah doing it in a cost effective way because we're not throwing loads and loads of cash at it just to get a you know a load of installs could would call like a vanity metric we're doing it in such a way to really hone in on what is converting down that funnel in terms of um, registration and connecting and your first account within money hub amazing. Yeah, because a lot, of, I mean, I got it from a lot of games and apps that have like late stage monetization. It takes a long time. Some of them takes, we take a week or a month or in your case, sometimes six months to get the actual conversion to a paid uh, subscriber. And SK Ad Network or Apple's attribution system is built in such a way that it reports only a downstream event if it happens in the first 24, maybe 36 hours. There's a few hacks that you can stretch that period a bit more, but it's supposed to be very early on. And for apps that don't have that kind of event happening in the first day or two, it's extremely tough to measure the success of, of user acquisition. Search ad doesn't have that problem. So it's good for you guys that you're uh, reliant on, on search ads. And you mentioned organic. So you said that you have a very large organic performance type of base. So what drives that? Uh, what are you guys doing uh, to influence organic growth? I'd always say that that kind of starts with the your owned, what I term as owned channels. So making sure that 
your website, supporting website, landing page, your social media channels, your app store pages are set up in the best possible way to help that initial conversion because organic traffic invariably is going to be your highest quality traffic because they've gone out of their way to find you specifically as a product or find something related to it. So in our, in our instance, like, yeah, personal finance or money management. So if you're, especially the visual assets are really strong in helping support in that message of what they've likely come looking for, that helps you get them into the top of the funnel and then and then work from there. And again, with organic, you know, I like for us, registration rates and first-time connection rates are going to be quite high because they've kind of already bought in a little bit. They're quite sort of like warm prospects. And then, so yeah, ASO plays a huge part in that. I've worked previously in other companies where I have no paid media budget. So you have to focus, you know, quite heavily on the intricacies of ASO, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the black box sometimes is sort of working out what, what can help drive it and what can drive that growth. So things like Ridge as well play such an important part in making sure that you're getting a consistent stream of good quality reviews in for the product to help your listings on the App Store and on Google Play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that also, like you mentioned, getting a ton of installs that aren't worth as much. And one of the tactics I would say that marketers sometimes use is to drive a very large volume of first-time installs or first-time downloads, which is one of the factors that feeds into the Apple algorithm in deciding which apps they rank, both on the search engine result page for different keyword rankings and on top charts and category charts. And eventually it also encourages them to feature apps in different featuring placements. Although that's curated by editors, they do notice apps that are high on the charts. So a lot of companies are using, especially companies with a huge amount of cash, they throw a lot of cash on sources that bring in these first-time downloads, and then they kind of hack their way to the top of the charts and drive a significant amount of organic installs from browse traffic, folks browsing the store, not even searching for anything. So how do you do all of that without a paid budget? That sounds very challenging. Yeah, it's funny, like quite a few years ago, I would say 2016, 2017, I got MoneyHub because I've had two stints at MoneyHub, in case anyone looks at my LinkedIn profile. And I got MoneyHub into the top 10 finance apps in the UK without paid budget. And that was purely by getting the kind of principles in place. And I think it was quite early doors. You could get a jump jump on your, your competitors there by just paying a bit of attention to these principles. But it's a different story now, you know, come 2020 onwards. It's not as simple. So being able to get up the charts without, yeah, significant investment is definitely a challenge. The example you outlined, it's obviously a risky play because if that doesn't work and the quality is too poor in terms of that uplift in traffic, you've kind of got yourself into a bit of a, a bit of a hole. So I think, think that's when you have to admit that, yeah, you can't solely do this on for, for growth solely on your organic activity. You can get it to a point in time that's set up as, as best as it possibly can be, or, you know, like 90% plus, because there's always improvements to do and reviewing your keywords and changing your visuals, and then start to layer on some paid activity. And that's when I feel like where you can see almost organically that our iOS traffic was bigger and we get more downloads through that platform. 
and down the funnel metrics are strong there as well. It was a natural sort of evolution to right now. Let's layer on Apple search ads, start building up some knowledge there and measuring it, seeing what terms work before sort of like rolling that onto other platforms to build up the mix that you've got in paid and steadily rise, <laughs> steadily rise up the charts. But always, you know, from what I've seen is then you're getting, you're not getting big sort of spurts of growth at a point in time, you're getting good, steady, continual growth of the products and of the active user base. And then what I've done like just recently with January being such a time of the year for an app like us, where people are wanting to get on top of their finances and set New Year's resolutions is reserving some budget to go a bit bigger at a good point in time, you know, that seasonal peak for your product, which really helped because, for example, we grew, we grew our active user base by over 50% just in January gone by doing that. Awesome. That's a great number. And what did you did there exactly? You used up the budget were on Apple search ads for like keywords around uh, finances? It was, there was, yeah, there was some increased bids on that platform because it just gets more competitive in the fintech app space anyway, generally especially Apple search ads. So I'm mapping stall ads across Facebook and Twitter, but also working with a couple of influencers to help talk about the product and will always, they will get a track link to use to put in to put in the notes. Oh, we did, and we'd had some podcast sponsorship as well. And so your link goes into the show notes, but you kind of know at that point, it's just like, look, it would love to track everything directly. But then you, again, it's about, I think what, you know, what we've talked about briefly before the call, mm-hmm. which then builds that halo effect. And you can see, okay, well, see, look what's happening to our organic downloads here as part of the mix. It's having that effect where we're building a bigger picture around of it and where Money Hub is getting mentioned. And we got picked up in some press articles as well for budget-saving apps in the UK. And again, that's yes, almost like out of our hands, but it's great because that's extra publicity and you can see small spikes in the download levels when they're happening. So you can sort of judge the effectiveness of that and you know that you've increased the sort of buzz and the noise about the brand that's helped drive that. Yeah, this is so important. I have a lot of questions, but I think it's so important for listeners to understand that getting, at least approaching it in a scientific way and understanding what drives these spikes in organics, like they're coming from somewhere and you would never know exactly. I mean, it's impossible to track. There is, even though, let's say you talked about influencers and there's uh, tracking links. And if you'd measure just the direct response type of value from these influencer campaigns, you won't get too much. Like it's the, I think I talked with somebody who has an influencer agency a few months back and he said it track, he tries to track the organic search, uh, uh, impact these influencer campaigns has. And I think he got to around like for every install that he, he was able to attribute directly to that tracking link, there were five organic search installs. Like folks just went to the app store, search for the brand name. And that happens a lot. It's a very common and well-known effect in paid uh, marketing. Like you run an ad, some people respond to it directly. There's a sizable chunk of people to just go to the app store and search for the brand name. This branded search volume, it comes from somewhere. It doesn't just drop from the sky if you don't do anything. So really, yeah, uh, yeah understanding over time, like what drives these increases is crucial because then you can find a replicable process and repeat that. So how do you guys approach like measuring these kind of things, like understanding when you ran an influencer campaign and, or 
did anything else and then saw an increase in, in organics? Yeah, so I track quite closely, you know, a lot of the metrics. They say we have, we use Adjust as a, as a mobile measurement partner. So we've got the direct traffic, but then I'm also looking at the app store metrics themselves. Okay, what are you telling me, like in terms of installs? But then with our CRM system, I'm looking at the registrations that we get and the connections that we get. And I can isolate that down to iOS or Android or, or web because we have a web only app as well. And then by taking the paid, the tracked paid out of that, you kind of looked at your, okay, there we go. So that's my organics. But then you kind of know, it's like, well, that's quite a jump on organics from what traditionally it is. And, and maybe, you know, it's a bit easier when you're not running huge amounts of paid activity because you, you've got quite a clear organic baseline. So that makes, it makes it quite easy to identify, okay, well, that 20% uplift, I think we're able to attribute to this sort of cluster, additional cluster of activity that we've been able to do. And then like you say, it's like, oh, then how can you replicate that? You're, you're spotting these patterns and then you can look and say, right, so if we do something again similar in a, in a couple of months and the same thing happens, it suddenly it starts to give you more confidence and go, yeah, this is a repeatable exercise. And even though we're not getting it directly tracked through, we know that we're still spending the budget wisely here. Yeah, I think the industry has, has been progressing a lot in the past few months from a place where everything needed to be attributed directly and deterministically, and you'd have to have like a dollar value for every dollar that you spent on uh, user acquisition. And the industry is progressing because folks are feeling pretty comfortable of like understanding things, at least directionally or roughly, and, and understand, okay, this has probably caused an increase of between X and Y installs. So we, we feel comfortable in replicating that, that activity that created that, even though we don't know the exact figure. That being said, I saw something really interesting that a lot of marketing teams have, have started to explore, which is looking at App Store Connect data. Like App Store Connect is a platform that doesn't get enough love, I would say. There is Apple is not, I don't think they're doing enough to promote or, or market the kind of things that they're adding in there. But to cut a long story short, like after they deprecated the IDFA and they pissed everybody off and basically... I don't think they had the intention of ruining everyone's ability to measure their marketing spend. They had a different motivation, which is around, some would say, to hurt Facebook. I would say that they just didn't want Facebook to enjoy the monetization from Apple's users uh, or user-level data. And we also exactly how much that cost Facebook. In the Lester Ernig report, uh, they said that it cost them $10 billion uh, just this year, and they tanked 25%. So that's, uh, that was painful. But without intending it, they also took away the ability to measure. And then they started to bring things back. Like SK Ad Network, is it really a usable product? I don't think there's anyone in the industry that, that agrees that it is currently usable. It's, it has a long way to go and a lot of bugs and stuff to be like an attribution system or for Apple to be their own MMP. But they're adding a lot of aggregated data in App Store Connect. So for example, you can now see cohorted revenues for organic uh, users in App Store Connect. So for example, if you ran an influencer campaign and it drove, I don't know, a three-day spike that is clear and you can identify it and associate it with that influencer campaign, you can attribute that increase or that uplift and see exactly how much revenue that have uh, generated over time. So you can, depending on your monetization profile, you can draw it out uh, as, as far as you need. But basically you can understand that Whenever you ran an influencer campaign, that generated, I don't know, half a million dollars. It just in organic search uplifts. 
And that's really cool because that gives a lot of confidence for teams to basically put a dollar number on organic activities, something that was done only as an afterthought up until now, I think. So I would recommend folks to check out Appster Connect data. It's, it's another crucial data source. Do you have any other tips for folks like around ASO or getting ASO to a place where, as you said, it's 90% there? I, I read that you talked once about uh, a really cool thing that you did with your creative strategy, like adding in um, integrations or, for, or partners that you work with, something like that. Yeah, that's right. That was it was something that I was looking at the screenshots that we had. And with a product like ours, once you're in, you're connecting sort of big financial institutions, actually, where your current account comes from. So the idea came that if we can sort of visually represent that on the screenshots when they arrive at the App Store page, and so for example, they bank with Santander and they see the Santander logo amongst the range of connections kind of flying across the phone. It's that it's just that little cognitive link or like security tick for them. Like, oh yeah, they, they connect to my bank. Great. Go through. So obviously, now I'm not blessed with resources in the team, but with the arrival of custom product pages, it's like, okay, here we go. You could make one. If they've searched for, say, Apple search ads, Santander mobile banking, they could be presented with a set of screenshots, which is specific to you having connected a Santander account and showing the transactions like coming through and categorized and just with like Santander logos across the top and then doing something different for NatWest or for Barclays. So that kind of thing excites me to be able to really, yeah, really adjust. It's really exciting. You guys started doing that? I mean, with like ad variations or it's pretty new. I've not delved into the custom product pages yet. I'm keeping a keen eye on chatter around it and sort of successes and what people are seeing and if they're getting decent information back. Because I think, it, obviously, with anything, when these new tools are released, it is, you've got, if you can get in there straight away, you, you can really take advantage, just like when Apple Search Ads first launched itself. We definitely got a jump on some of our competitors back in, back in 2016 or 2017 when, when they launched. But also, you know, if you don't, you know, you don't necessarily have the budget or the time or the resource to go and set all that up. Like just keeping an eye on like industry news and, and what people are talking about and, and strategies can really help you just come up with that. Okay, so this is how I could approach this in, in a few weeks or a few months time. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because your ASO work has, has created so much knowledge. Just what you mentioned around the Santander logo and on all these type of logos. And that's an interesting strategy and taking that into custom product pages. And it's really, really new. You're not behind in any way. It's, I think it was released uh, about a week ago. You're probably listening to this episode a few weeks from now, but around a week ago, it was released on Apple search ads. It's called ad variations. So you can basically target with a certain, within a certain ad group, you can pick and choose different custom product pages and that feed into the creatives of the search ads. And of course, the creatives that a person sees once they tap on the ads, if they actually tap to go into the full product page. So you're not behind, but that's, to me, at least, and I've seen only early tests. Like there is uh, some early adopters that have been running these type of things, and I've been fortunate to see the results. But the kind of uplifts that they see there are massive. Because if you think about it, how crazy it is, it's as if all of mobile marketing had a website, like everything had a website and only one homepage. Like everybody had one homepage and all the ads you ran globally in the entire world came to the same homepage, which is insane. It's crazy to think about that. And 
And now suddenly somebody told everybody, now you can have different product pages or different use case pages, one for uh, this type of person, one for that type of team. And it's like unthinkable to imagine that folks would run, I don't know, ads on Google search, and they would all lead to the same homepage. So now you have this opportunity, and I think uh, uh, folks that adopt that are going to basically mine a lot of conversions from these, from matching the creatives and messaging to the user intent. Because even the example that you gave, like running an ad on Santander Bank, if users wouldn't see that logo and that information on, on your screenshots, they would probably have a way lower probability to convert. So you're going to start mining all these different keywords and, and all these different campaigns just by matching the messaging and creatives to the exact user intent and context. So I think that's uh, really, really exciting. We are about to run out of time. So I do want to ask you a few more questions that we ask uh, all of our guests. If you could give just one tip to somebody that is aspiring to get into mobile marketing, you've been around in the industry for uh, quite some time. What it would be, what it takes to be a successful mobile marketer these days? I would say, even though we're still not, a, we might not be able to track everything to the nth degree as as we're used to with the IDFA deprecation, is just pay attention to the numbers. You know, in the world of performance marketing, is just really understand the data that you're seeing, following that through as far as you can. Like I've always liked being involved in the whole life cycle from acquisition through to engagement and retention and just constantly being able to feed that back in to your initial acquisition efforts and improve. Cool. And for our content recommendation uh, kind of piece, uh, what's your favorite resource? Like somebody that you follow or a publication that you read to stay on top of what's happening? I really like the growing Slack communities that are out there. So mobile growth stack, Mobile Heroes, one that I'm forgetting, which is bad of me. But there's lots of really useful Slack communities out there, which is a great way to share information, ask questions, and discover new newsletters to sign up to as well, Mm -hmm. which is always a good source of information just to stay on top of industry news because it's such a fast-moving environment. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's crazy. All it takes is for you to not read anything for a couple of months, and that's it, you're lost. (laughs) That's what it takes in our industry. And I really like also these Slack uh, communities. It's like having access to like peers that are really, really smart all the time. Like folks are really active uh, on these groups. And the most important question, given that the name of this podcast is Mobile Growth and Pancakes, what is your favorite flavor of pancake? So it's pancake day here soon in the UK. So it's well, very well timed. And I've developed a strange taste for Jaffa Cake pancakes. I don't know if Jaffa Cakes exist outside of the UK. Jaffa Cakes? It's pretty sure it doesn't <laughs> exist in Tel Aviv. So but what, what Jaffa is Cakes it? Tell us about like, it. Well, this is a, a, a hilarious thing that always happens in the UK. Is it a biscuit or is it a cake? But it's kind of got a soft biscuit base and then it's got sort of orange jelly filling and a chocolate top. So it's like a little biscuit cake thing. But I found it, it wrapping a wrapping a few up in a pancake and letting it melt a bit. And then there we go. You've got a a Jaffa pancake. It's brilliant. I'll try it next time I'm in the UK. But that's the first time that we got this kind of answer. I thought it might be. I thought it might be. (laughs) I'm sure it's good. I'll try one. And I recommend everyone listening to this from the UK to try one as well. For folks not from the UK, you probably won't be able to find this kind of thing. (laughs) Cool. So, and lastly, if folks want to reach out to you to chat about ASO, organics, mobile marketing, 
where can they find you? LinkedIn would be best for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll have uh, a link to your LinkedIn profile in uh, the show notes. So check it out. Cool. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and I'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thanks very much. Awesome. Talk to you soon. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.